New state markets could boost U.S. legal cannabis sales by $72 billion by 2030. We're going to take a look at projected U.S. legal cannabis sales and then ask the questions, what happens when some of these companies have to declare bankruptcy? All of that coming up. It's only entertainment. Welcome back to The Talking Hedge. I'm Josh Kincaid, Capital Markets Analyst and host of your Cannabis Business Podcast. Before we get into the industry expectations, taking a look at a couple of uh, interesting um, bankruptcy examples. There's Evenco. Um, they're based in Canada, of course. They're the only ones who can file bankruptcy right now. Uh, otherwise, it's Schedule 1. You can't do that in the U.S. So as it says, as a result of continuing liquidity challenges, uh, they're insolvent. They can't meet their liabilities when they became due. And so um, off to uh, bankruptcy protection. Normally in the U.S., uh, an investor would just be able to take it over and then run with that. Uh, that's unfortunately happened to a company like Boggy Boone uh, in Washington State. Phenomenal um, company that was um, veteran owned. And then the investor came in and, and snagged it. Um, unfortunately, um, the individual didn't, didn't have um, uh, very good um, lawyers to, to help protect that from happening. Uh, so it's unfortunate, but it, it does happen quite a bit. Um, when you see that uh, uh, a lot of the money that was supposed to be used for working capital, they're set to pay their employees and then not their bills. That's an issue. So they have to go back to creditor protection, um, an option that we definitely don't have in the U.S. here. But interesting to see how it's working out in our um, neighbors to the north. Of course, it wasn't their fault. Uh, they had people who couldn't buy from them. And then that resulted in a spoilage of unsold inventory. But if you were smart, you would have just put it into concentrate and blasted it. So it sounds like they really didn't know what they were doing. Um, apparently, there were some investments that didn't come to fruition. You have to plan on that. A failed equity investment transaction, what you were just expecting that to happen. Oh, and then they blame COVID, of course. Well, that helped everybody. And if that's the problem, then you weren't doing it right. Uh, they owe money to the, um, the, the equivalent of the IRS up in Canada, the Canadian Revenue Agency. They owe them 195000 for employee insurance. Ouch. And a pension plan. They get pensions? Whew, that's awesome. Um, there's excise tax and a whole bunch of, they weren't paying anything. <laughs> so that's how companies get into debt. Here's an example of CanTrust getting out of debt. So they're also based in Ontario. Uh, again, Canada is able to do that. They completed um, financing worth 17 million Canadian dollars. They got this financing from uh, an investor and that was able to, I guess, get them out of the sticky situation that they found themselves in. It only cost them $11 million to get 90% equity. Wow, that's crazy. So that means that uh, they emerged from the court-supervised proceeding um, effective immediately, and they're going to convene a shareholder meeting before the summer and explore alternatives for either applying the Ontario Securities Commission for revocation of failure to file or taking steps to obtain a stock exchange listing and then make shareholders pay for all of it. <laughs> that sounds like we work. Yeah, we're worth 47 billion and then it fails and they're like, oh, okay, we're only worth 3 billion. We're like, where's the other 43 billion? Like you were just gonna make all everyone else be the sucker for that. So 
Um, they call it a, an end of a long journey of a, a new beginning of blob. Yeah. It's, it's um, just bad management. They had no idea what they were doing again. So as we see the normalization of the cannabis industry, filing bankruptcy in and out and all these crazy M&A transactions, stupid money coming in everywhere, uh, people thinking legalization is going to happen. Uh, there's anticipations that the industry will reach a $72 billion valuation by 2030, um, assuming that uh, I, maybe there is no assumption. I guess I was assuming that this is like legal. Um, this is based on current legal states versus the expectation by 2030. Okay, so that is based on some assumptions that there's going to be some new state uh, markets that are going to legalize and drive those sales past that $72 billion versus last year, there was an estimated 26 and a half million. And they're going to expect this year to be around 32 billion. I said, I think I said 26 half million. That was obviously 26 and a half billion last year um, and 32 billion this year. So new frontier, new frontier data is expecting nine states that are going to have some really strong momentum uh, in the medical markets. And then um, another nine seem to have some fairly um, good adult use consumption by 2030. All of them, they expect to have that combined annual growth rate of 14%. Not very high for a compounded annual growth rate, but 72 billion uh, within eight years sounds pretty reasonable. Um, this report that they have on U.S. cannabis uh, for industry projections from New Frontier data, take it with a grain of salt, is typically um, uh, incredibly uh, optimistic. Now, the new one of the new VPs, uh, Bo Whitney, hopefully he's going to bring those expectations back down to reality. But in the meantime, take it with a grain of salt unless it has his name stamped on there. Um, the key regulatory um, determinants that that they're looking at for qualifying conditions of medical some of the um, activation speed, uh, how that means how fast people are going to, um, from you know regulatory or, or um, not legalization, but regulation to open market, whenever that happens, that's speeding up quicker. It's going to be dependent on that happening, obviously. Now, if you strip away uh, and just look at same states, sales expectations, that compounding annual growth rate is 11% which doesn't make any sense because if you add those other nine states, it's only 14 still. That's pretty low, even for these guys, new frontier data. So uh, they're, they're expecting that as it is, they're going to, uh, we should see 57 billion by 2030. So current operating states um, are, are going to crush it. That's pretty good. So that's going to increase some broader social acceptance uh, conservative areas like Arizona that loves their vape pens, but not pre-rolls. We might see some of those products kind of take off with the more normalization and adaptation of um, general trends, you know, flowers, 40%, but you just don't see a whole lot of it. Or when you do, it's maybe uh, confined to the basement. <laughs> so nobody knows about it. There's going to be some uh, broader economic developments that are going to impact near-term legal cannabis revenues. Looking at consumers already trying to endure generationally high inflation levels. Uh, Federal Reserve is going to have some crazy stuff with um, central bank digital coins. The supply chain was already screwed. Now we got high inflation. Uh, now there's a war in Ukraine that's going to make gas prices and a lot of other things even more of an issue. Um, you've got a lockdown in, um, in China and then 
Uh, we already just had the Chinese New Year. A lot of things are going to take a long time. I, I had a car accident. Somebody ran into me before Christmas. I literally just got my car fixed last week. So that was like three months. Um, and so if you're waiting on stuff, it's going to take a really long time. Um, there's sustained macroeconomic disruptions that's going to negatively impact the cannabis consumer spending. You're going to have a lower legal market revenues over the near term. So looking at um, some research from New Capital, uh, New Frontier Data, rather, um, they kind of are expecting that uh, cannabis spending is going to be highly recession resilient. And I've, I've written articles about this. You can look at SIN stocks. Um, and they are resilient. However, people are cutting way back. This is definitely generationally high inflationary pressures with, uh, with pricing right now. And so people will be cutting way back or cutting it out because they never paid gas prices this high. Rent's never been this high. Um, the U.S. dollar's never been, um, never had this, this low of purchasing power ever before, and it's not going to get any better. So all of those are, are issues um, that are going to impact the cannabis industry and how people are uh, consuming. Could see consumption levels continue to decrease that you know we've been seeing over the last six months, uh, reverting more towards pre-pandemic levels or, or even worse because of the inflationary pressures uh, as consumers are trying to reduce their spending and uh, bargain hunting. Uh, 420 could be huge this year. Um, I myself am going to do four, you know, 20 stores on 420 like I always do with a $420 budget and try and get as much as I can. Um, there could be an economic recession or correction or depression. If there is that economic uh, contraction sustained throughout the year and we see that longest bull market in history come to an end, 2020 revenues are going to return lower than forecasted. Uh, legalization still not going to happen in the near term. And so stock prices are going to take a near term uh, retracement or reallocation um, you know, of spending is going to impact these businesses even more than they already are, uh, furthering that M&A cycle as they kind of um, run out of capital. With that, we're going to roll this one up. I'm Josh Kincaid. This is The Talking Hedge. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe, or don't, and I'm out. Don't forget to smash that like button on your way out and check out these other videos that we've got. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hi, I'm Gary, and I invite you to discover the Cannabis Podcast, a bi-weekly podcast focused on a Canadian's cannabis culture. I would be the Canadian, and my cannabis passion and culture has been building for five decades. I share that passion for this wonderful plant in every episode, through conversations with cannabis advocates and enthusiasts, stories about the ever-changing legal environment, and some hands-on testing of product in a segment I call Cultivar Corner. The Cannabis Podcast, a Canadian's cannabis culture, one token at a time.